Next on Remote Space, what happens when the pictures in your head for landing that dream job hits a much different reality? Hello? Uh, yeah, right. I'm sending that over in an hour. The meeting today? Another one? Hold on one sec. Enough! (laughs) Working from home not as much fun as you imagined? Remote Space explores the tools and philosophies we use as we work more remotely. We'll talk to experts who have mastered remote work, those studying the shift in how we work, and those learning on the run. Here's your host, Doug Thomas. I've never met Emily Hacker. Then again, most of her teammates at Microsoft haven't either. Emily's first day as a threat analyst at Microsoft was just a few days after the campus shutdown in March of 2020. I wanted to talk to Emily about the experience coming into an office job that suddenly turned into remote work. Okay, Emily, let's just start at the beginning. How did you get a job at Microsoft? I had lived in Seattle for just um, a few months when I had moved up here for another job. And I saw that this opening was available for the job that I currently have. And it was an opportunity that even though I had only been here for a short while, I just couldn't pass up. So I applied for it. And by the time I got hired and started, I had been in Seattle about a year And I ended up starting this new position at Microsoft the first week of March this year, 2020. Cool. So when do you interview? Did you come to campus and and interview or or was it remote or did you you visit your potential bosses already before March? I did come to campus. So I had one phone screen that was, you know, over the phone, so completely virtual. But I had one day of interviews that was in-person. It was a full day thing and I had to, you know, drive over to the east side and do the in-person interview. So that was the day I got to meet a couple of the people I'd be working with. But the way that Microsoft does interviews, a lot of the people are from different teams. And then it actually is kind of funny because right after I started, the individual that I had interviewed with who was the hiring manager who would be my boss actually ended up getting promoted. So I got a new boss. So I got to meet someone who's now my boss's boss. But uh, yeah, because I started, you know, during COVID, the person who is my current like direct manager wasn't on my interview panel and I haven't met them. Oh my gosh. Okay. So let's cut to the chase then. So your first week is early March. And a couple of days before that, the announcement came out, there was a surprise to people like me that worked at Microsoft that we were going to close down campus and that people were going to work from home. So what happens to you first day at Microsoft? Yeah, I, I'll tell you, that came as a surprise to me too. And the couple of days leading up to my first day were pretty stressful because I think that that announcement came out, I want to say on like a, a Tuesday or a Thursday or something. And my first day was supposed to be the following week. I was really afraid that Microsoft was going to call me back and be like, hey, we're going to have to push your start date. You know, I think at that time they were saying that work from home was going to be a few weeks. And I was worried they were going to push my start date a few weeks. But obviously they didn't. So my first day was pretty interesting. I think most people who started Microsoft have a new employee orientation, which sounds really great. I didn't have any such thing. So I believe that the day that I started was the first time they had gone completely virtual for new hires. So they hadn't really set up a way of doing a virtual new 
higher orientation, which is understandable. It had only been a couple of days. So what my first day looked like was they gave us a window of time to show up and they would call people back in groups of about 10 or so. And we had to stand six feet apart. They had marked X's on the ground and stuff to wait in line to then give our paperwork to the HR representatives that were there and they would give us our badge and then we left. Um, and anything that happened after that point, I think it was different for each team of people that were starting that day. But for my team, what I did was go back to the office where my team would normally work. They weren't there, obviously, but my manager was there with my laptop in hand. And so I got the laptop from him, stayed in the office long enough just to get the laptop set up by being connected to the corporate network. And then I went home. I think I was home by lunch. So none of the people I worked with were in the office. It was definitely a unique first day experience. I'll say that much. Yeah, because, I, you know, again, anyone getting a job like this, it's got to feel like you've reached a finish line and they've kind of at least the crowd around the finish line is gone. Yeah, definitely. There was a there was not much in the way of fanfare. I will say that. But, you know, it made it really easy to park. I could say that it was easy to park on campus because there was no one here. But yeah, what can you do? I guess it's uh, it was one of those things that like, I guess, you, you know, you work towards it and it would there is some like the way you see it in your mind. I know a lot of people have different events that have been the way they're going to see them in their mind that have been not happening that way because of COVID. And so, you know, the first day in a job not happening the way I'd intended is pretty minimal in the grand scheme of things. It definitely was something that I think because I, I plan on staying at Microsoft for as long as I can. And so I think that, you know, it'll be interesting years from now to see when we're back in the office and new people are starting and be like, yeah, you know, I never actually got that new employee orientation. Maybe I'll be here a couple of years by the time I get it or something. So for thing, I mean, the process includes a lot of things like how to be a company employee, how things like medical works and your benefits and all that. Did that get to you eventually through email? Did they schedule something later? I mean, how did you sign up for things like, let's say, medical insurance? I do think that most of that stuff was communicated via email. I'm trying to remember. I know we did have a, there was like a new employee. I can't remember what it was called, but I don't believe it was specific to remote because some of the people on my team who started during normal times, if you will, indicated they had gone through the, the same thing. But it was three days, basically of like three to four hours a day of like a new hire onboarding type session that talked about a lot of that kind of like new to Microsoft stuff. But as far as like benefits, I believe most of that was communicated via email. Obviously, it worked out. I was able to sign up for it. But it is kind of interesting now to, there are things that I would imagine that a person who has been at Microsoft eight or nine months like I have would know that I'm still just finding out. So like, for example, the other day, one of my coworkers posted in, you know, Teams chat to our whole team. He was like, oh, no, I just realized I forgot to turn off my automatic paycheck like for the lunchroom or something. Right. I don't even know what it's called because I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> and so I like message back to the whole group. I'm like, oh, what's that? And everyone's explaining to me like, you can like automatically put part of your paycheck into a fund like for like the cafeterias or whatever that you can pay with your badge. I'm like, wow, that's super cool. And I'm like, I've been here nine months. This is probably a question that most people get answered on day one. So it's little things like that that certainly never got communicated to me, but I think I'll be learning over time. Sure, sure. And I got to ask, I mean, one of the things about the, the orientation process, which I believe uh, is a two-day process in normal times, did they send you any good swag at least? No, not particularly. My org set me up with a 
I'm trying to remember when I showed up on the first day. Oh, I got like a travel mug from my organization, from SNC, Security and Compliance. I have a backpack. I have a Microsoft backpack. And that was what a lot of my paperwork was in. So when I showed up on day one and I had to get all the paperwork, I think they had put it in the backpack and then given it to each of us. So, but no, in terms of like Microsoft swag, like I, I do feel a bit lacking. I could use some jackets. I don't know. What do people normally get? Yeah, I would think at least a pen or a water bottle would be in there somewhere. Maybe we can work into that. Not that we have any remote space swag. I know that much. <laughs> in getting set up at home to do work that you weren't prepared to do remotely, uh, were there any problems in getting actually work done remotely? There hasn't been too much in the way of problems. I will say it's been a um, an ongoing setup that has not ceased. I don't ever feel like I got just like, all right, I'm set up and now time to go. So I started out, I didn't have anything set up to work from home. It's actually kind of perhaps ironic. I don't know if that's the right use of that word, but um, I used to live in Houston and I had a fully remote job. So I had like a desk and a chair and all kind of work from home stuff. When I first moved to Seattle, I had kept that stuff. And just like so short a time before I started this job, I moved into a smaller apartment and I downsized and I got rid of all my work from home stuff. So my desk, my chair, I got rid of it all. Someone at the Goodwill has it now. And then like mere weeks later, the pandemic happened and I had to work from home. So I didn't have like a desk, a chair. I live in a a really nice neighborhood in Seattle, which means I live in a really small apartment in Seattle. (laughs) And so I don't have like a table, like a kitchen dining room table or anything. That's not, where would that go in my apartment? So I don't have one. And so the first couple of weeks I was using my coffee table. I am lucky that my, I have a coffee table that is like for storage. So it like lifts up kind of. And so if, if I lift it up, it's almost kind of like desk height when you're sitting at the couch. So the first couple of weeks I was using like laptop on lifted coffee table. And then I lucked out that my one of the people in my management chain in my organization had a bunch of monitors that he was letting people have. I guess he had purchased some to give to his employees for this very scenario for people who weren't set up to work from home. And so I was able to get a monitor and then I had this giant monitor set up on my coffee table and every day I would like start work by like getting the monitor set up and putting it on the coffee table and plugging it into my computer and going. And then I would end the day by like taking the monitor down and putting it back against the wall. So it was out of the way. So that was a bit of a um, struggle. And then I ordered a desk from Amazon and I kind of readjusted my living room. So I, I pushed my couch over a little bit and now I have a sit stand desk in my living room and a chair. And so I, that sounds like such a basic thing to have a desk and a chair, but it took a few months of working off of the couch and the coffee table in order to get a desk. But throughout the whole thing, like I never felt like I was unable to work. I wasn't really struggling. Getting the monitor helped. I guess when I was working just off of my laptop, I did feel like it was a little bit of a struggle just because the laptop screen can be pretty tiny. And if I'm, if I'm looking at Excel or just honestly anything that can get pretty tiny, it was kind of difficult for me to like squint and lean forward and stuff. I didn't feel like my posture was great probably when I was squinting and leaning forward trying to look at my laptop screen, but getting uh, the monitor helped and moving to the desk has helped. But when I was on my couch, it wasn't like I couldn't do work. It just probably wasn't the best situation because when you end the day, you're just like, let me scooch like two inches to the left on the couch. And now this is, you know, not work anymore. 
Yeah, that was now playtime versus work time. It's exactly. so different. No, that, and that's that's great to hear because just from anywhere from people I've talked to on the podcast to coworkers who've have gone to the same thing, and it's this, you know, we thought first in weeks, not months, and then we thought maybe the summer, and then you know, I think reality is pretty much taken hold by this time. That's a long time, but it's like, yeah, when do I make an investment? When is there help available? How long can I work at a, at a coffee table? What was it like meeting coworkers online for the first time? Because it's not only that, I mean, people work remote all the time, but I got to think this group's uh, in that first couple of weeks is also going through a, a changed world when they're, and there's a new employee they need to talk to. Yeah, I was worried that it would actually be kind of weird or maybe kind of limiting to try and meet my coworkers fully remote. But one thing I will say for this team is that I think they did a really good job of transitioning from a fully, you know, in-person situation to now being fully remote. And I feel very grateful for that. I think that because I I came in right when they were learning to be remote, it wasn't like I had to be the one learning how to be remote when everyone else was already a master at it. It was like we were all learning together. And so they were trying to figure out ways to stay in touch with each other. I think, you know, when we first started, they had scheduled some additional meetings from what they usually had in person, just because they were testing out ways of like working remotely, which worked in my favor, because I was also trying to figure out how to work remotely. Now I had all these extra meetings, I had all these team channels, they were starting. And it just so happened that all of these things were starting at exactly the same time that I was starting. So it really gave me an opportunity to connect with my coworkers, because they were already looking for ways to connect with each other. I don't know if that would be any different if I had started a few months later, once everyone was already more, you know, accustomed to working remote, once everybody was already, you know, we had gotten our meeting scheduled down, we're used to working remote, like, I don't know if it would have been different for somebody coming in who didn't have the same experience that I did. But it really, I feel like worked out in my favor. And I feel like I really did get to know my coworkers. Like, they're not strangers. Like, some of them, you know, I don't really, I guess that I... I know these people in the sense of like having worked with them in an office every day, but I do know them. So like I've become really good friends with a lot of my coworkers on my team. I guess it just, it just worked because everybody was learning how to be remote at the same time. So definitely lucked out there. And now that you've been doing this for several months, what's one or two examples of something outside just a regular business meeting that you guys do that you keep in touch and try to keep some sort of aspect of a team together? So yeah, that's a great question. One of the things that a few of the people on my team have done, we have a daily lunchtime call blocked and we don't all get a chance to call into it every day, but it helps on two fronts. There's about five of us, I guess, that are on this call. And whenever we're free, we make it an effort to call into this hour long lunch call. That helps A, because there's no expectation of work. In fact, one of the things we try to do is specifically make sure every day, once we're all on the call, be like, okay, everyone off your computer, like walk away. We're not looking at work. We all go sit you know, on our couches or whatever and just have our headphones on while we make lunch, eat lunch, and just chat about what's going on today. I, I actually just got off of that call right before this one. And we spent a long time talking about one of my coworkers is looking at potentially getting a new apartment. So we were chatting about apartments and stuff. It's just really a way that I found that for these coworkers that I have this lunch call with of getting to know them because in a in-person situation, one of the things that I found that we found, not just me, but all of us found pretty early on was missing was that you go to lunch together. You know, it's not just like you're alone in your apartment or in your office or whatever 
eating lunch, you go to lunch with people and that's really how you get to know them. And so having that kind of virtual going to lunch was one of the ways that I really started becoming like, I feel like friends with these people who I didn't have an opportunity to work with in real life. Another way that helped actually was that not only was I getting to know my coworkers, but one of the things that I struggled with, I know all my coworkers are struggling with. And I honestly think that most people based on what I see on like Twitter and whatnot are struggling with right now is that I was just working continuously. Like there was no stopping because like I said, my, my couch was my couch and my office for a long time. And so there was no, I wasn't leaving to walk to lunch, you know, or I wasn't leaving to go home at the end of the day. So I found that I was working through lunch every day. I was working super late every day, not because I had necessarily more work, but just because it was right in front of me. It's so easy to fall into that trap of doing more work. So scheduling the lunch call, not only was a great way for me to like actually talk with my coworkers, but to get, make sure that each of us had that hour break in the middle of the day, any day that we possibly are able to, so that we don't get burnt out. And the second thing that we've done is we actually created a group chat just for my team, like a team's chat that's just for the people on my team. And it doesn't have to be related to work. So we'll post pictures of like our pets in there. You know, we'll just talk about like I one of my coworkers earlier sent a picture of <laughs> toilet paper at Costco, you know, like that kind of stuff. It's just that channel for us. Like if you were in person, these are the kind of things that you would know. You know, you would be in the hallways, be in different offices, talking to each other and just know what is going on in your coworkers' lives and having that channel just to like, I don't have to talk about work. I don't have to schedule a meeting to talk to you about, you know, my dog. But here's like a picture. Look, my dog, you know, is so cute. And now everyone knows. And it really is a way for us to continue that kind of like hallway, I guess, or lunchroom water cooler, if you will, chat that doesn't really exist in a remote setting as easily. Totally. It's it, it's it's that hallway thing. And I'm the same way. I shared an office with two others and, and we were a complete team. And just, again, the ability to share something on the fly was something that was so natural. And now it almost feels obligated that uh, I had a coworker who wanted to talk to me about something that had nothing to do with work, but you almost feel you had to schedule that. So to have those things built in to have an area where you can just chat about non-work things. And I've heard people doing lunches, but never the daily lunch spot. Not that you attend every day. I understand that. But I think that's a really great idea just to know that that's there. You know, if it's like uh, 11 o'clock and you're dragging, you know that there's that time to be able to, to have some downtime. That's that's a terrific idea on that. Okay. But I have to ask, give me your 30 second pitch here. Your pet, it's really cute. Tell me. Oh, yes. He is a... Um a mix, also known as a mutt, but he's a dog and he is a rat terrier chihuahua. He's about six years old and his name is Zuko, named after a character from Avatar The Last Airbender. And he's just, he's adorable. I take lots of photos of him, which my coworkers now get to see. I love him. He's like the most important thing in my life. So Okay. So I just uh, putting out for uh, notes, we're going to need a picture of the dog to post. That's going to be one oh, thing. Oh, don't worry. I can send you many. I have two, and one of them is a, um, a Chow Shepherd mix, so uh, who's almost oh, nice. five years old. So we could have a whole other podcast about that, and uh, maybe I'll talk to the producer about producing that or next. Your job is a threat analyst. What does a threat analyst do? Yeah, so a threat analyst, in the context of what I do, I analyze a bunch of different information from different sources, be it internal sources, external sources, related to cyber threats affecting our customers. So I have access to look at some email telemetry to see if any malicious emails are being sent to our customers, as well as endpoint 
telemetry so I can see what is going on on our customers' networks that might be malicious activity. And I also read a lot of things that are going on externally. So in the news to see what threats are known to be facing businesses. Work from home is definitely something that has been at the forefront of our minds as people that look at threats because people are now working remotely and may not have the same securities that they would in the office. What's uh, what's one thing something should be people should be doing as they work more from home to be more secure? What's one or two top things that might be maybe easy, but they should be thinking about? I know at Microsoft, I think that this is like a requirement, like you can't not do this. But for other companies, I'm not sure it is. And so one of the first things I would say is to make sure if possible that you're connected to your company's like VPN. So you're connected through your company's network instead of just your home network, because your company's network probably offers a lot more security than your home network, just by nature of companies are going to have a lot more funding to have this kind of protections in place for like firewalls and endpoint type of stuff, as well as email threats as well. A second thing I guess people can do when they're working from home is to not get too comfortable. I feel like when people are in the office, there's a feeling of like, I am, you know, at work, I'm doing work things, I'm a professional, I'm on my work email. And I, you know, maybe we've all taken the phishing training at different times in our life when we know not to click on malicious emails. But when you're at home, I fear that people might be getting you know, including myself, like I mentioned earlier, you work through lunch, you work until 9pm just because your laptop's right in front of you. Like there might be a level of comfortability, if that's a word, that people are falling into where you're at home, you're using your work laptop for work, but it's right there. So you also open it up and you just navigate to whatever website you're about to shop online with. Or you're at home, your work laptop's right there. You get a weird email and you kind of forget, am I at home? Am I at work? What's going on? And you open the email, but it's malicious. Like just don't lose the same like level of awareness you have at work just because you're at home all the time. Don't let your work laptop become just another device that you're always on. Like if you're trying to protect your company, you know, from cyber threats, you have to be vigilant in making sure that you don't accidentally slip up because you're at home. There has been no shortage of malicious emails being delivered to end users just because we're at work from home. That I will say. Like it's still happening. The people who are sending out these malicious emails, who are sending out malware, who are sending out phishing, they don't care that it's a pandemic. You know, they they aren't going to slow down. They're not going to feel bad for you and cut you some slack, so to speak. So just remaining vigilant and remembering that these threats are still out there and still facing everybody is a good way of just, you know, not getting too comfortable and accidentally clicking on potentially, you know, an unsuspected attachment that you would never have clicked on were you in the office. That's terrific advice. And I would say that, yeah, the amount of phishing emails, which is a term of of an email that looks like it's from a company that you might do business with like Apple or Amazon, but it's a fake. And you can kind of, if you take a few moments, you can kind of see that it doesn't look right or feel right. But you're right. If you're too comfortable, if you're rushing, if you're not slowing down, sometimes you click on things without thinking about them. So uh, that's terrific advice. So once you come back into work and we're back in the office at some future date, besides meeting your teammates on a more regular basis, actually having a place to work, um, is there something particular on campus that you're looking forward to uh, experiencing or doing? There's a lot of things that I'm looking forward to experiencing on campus. I think that from a like bigger perspective, I'm looking forward to just having, I feel like that feeling of working at Microsoft, not just working for Microsoft, like that community, I guess, of working for a company, everybody there. I've never worked 
for a company that had a campus, you know, like where you go and there's all these buildings or Microsoft, like it just felt very important, I guess, when I was there for my interview. And not that other companies are, but it just felt like being part of a community, kind of like when you go to college and you walk around your college campus, like there's a sense of community there. And it's not like we don't have that sense of community being remote, but there's something to be said about that being in person. I'm looking forward to being, you know, you walk across campus and you're just like there with all these other people who are also Microsoft employees. From a much smaller perspective, I'm looking forward to eating on campus. There are restaurants, I've seen them. And I I just feel like I, I hear a lot of my coworkers a lot of times talking about like, oh, remember when we used to like, blah, 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 go eat at this place. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't remember that. So I think that just having those like small experiences of the stuff on campus will be something that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, maybe. And again, maybe as we come out of COVID, I know there's going to be several new ways of working that maybe keeping that that lunch hour open every day might be a good way for people to to reconnect on that. Whatever the case is, I look forward someday to seeing you and everyone else on campus and uh, to have that time where we can do it. Emily Hacker is a threat intelligent analyst for Microsoft, uh, where she investigates threats delivered by email and other times. And supposedly she has the cutest dog in the world, Zuko. <laughs> Emily, thank you very much for spending time with Remote Space. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to hear more stories and lessons learned from those working in the remote space.